This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3290 for Friday the 12th of March 2021. Today's show is entitled, GIMP. More on layer tools and techniques and is part of the series, GIMP. It is hosted by Ahuka and is about 15 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, using some additional tools for, for working with layers in GIMP. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, this is Ahuka welcoming you to Hacker Public Radio and another exciting episode. And I am continuing my series on GIMP this time. Uh, and this is a tutorial I'm calling more on layer tools and techniques. Um, and we're going to bring in some things that are very valuable when you're working with layers. And as we've said, layers are a really important uh, tool in working with these images. So. Uh, we're going to be spending a lot of time on them. Now, in the, our, the last time we did our first example tutorial on layers, um, first of many, that uh, whenever you open an image, such as a photograph, a layer is automatically created to hold that image. Now, that is good for a start, but for many things you want to do with an image, you need transparency, and it's not there by default. For example, if I open the image I used to have as my header on my ahuka.com site, um, which we had talked about previously, um, it was created as a layer in GIMP, but if I erase any of it, what do I get? Well, I use the Erase tool, and what it does is it replaces it with whatever is my background color in GIMP. Um, well. That's fine, I guess. Uh, in the example that I did, uh, it was white because white happened to be the background color. And for a, a number of the things that you do with, uh, particularly when you get to layer masks, it's common to have white as the background and black as the foreground. Um, so I partially erased the image and okay, now there's white there, but what if my intention was to take the image away so that something else would show through. For that, I would need transparency. Um, now, if you want transparency, how do you get that? JPEG images do not have transparency by default. Um, so what you need to do is click on the layer. Um, if you right-click on the layer, bring up the Properties uh, pop-up window, and then click on Add Alpha Channel. Um, and that's what gives you transparency. It's your alpha channel that has the transparency. Um, now when you erase, you'll get a transparent background. Now remember that in GIMP, transparency is indicated by a grayscale checkerboard pattern. 
which is good because you know what you're working with. But when you export the image, it will be truly transparent. Now, note that you only need to add an alpha channel in the case of a layer created automatically in GIMP when you open an image. Um, and for some images, there may already be one. Uh, PNG images have uh, an alpha channel, uh, but JPEG images don't. Um, so anytime you create a, uh, a new layer by using the Create New Layer button in GIMP, as opposed to opening an image, uh, it's created with an alpha channel by default. So it's just something you need to know. Um, if you forget it, one day you'll be working on something and say, wait a minute, why am, why am I not getting any transparency when I erase this part of the image? And, oh, got to add that alpha channel. Um, so, good thing to know. Now, we want to talk about layer groups and layer linking, which are kind of related in a way. Um, they're ways of letting you work with a bunch of layers as if it was a single unit. Uh, and that can be a very convenient thing to do. Because um, you can create, and, and you know, I've, I've watched people do uh, examples of things in GIMP where they would create a layer group with, you know, six or eight different layers in it and then copy that layer group and, and duplicate it. <laughs> you know, that's a, a GIMP Pro is going to start doing stuff like that. Um, now, there are two ways, you know, layer groups, layer linking. Layer groups uh, first appeared in GIMP 2.8, um, and they make it easy to create a permanent. Uh, now, I put permanent in quotation marks a little bit. Nothing is permanent. You could undo the layer group. But Generally, if you create a layer group, it's because you want these things to be um, always linked together. And the main point in creating one is you want to do certain things like transforms, and you would want it to affect all layers equally. Now, a good example is rescaling or resizing an image. If you have layers in a layer group, you can resize all of them equally by rescaling the group instead of fiddling with each individual layer, which is a pain in the butt. Now, to create a layer group, you need to have an image open, and therefore at least one layer open. Then just go to the second icon on the bottom of the Layers dialog, next to the Create New Layer button. The second button is the Create a New Layer Group button, and it looks like a folder with a plus sign. This will create what looks like a new layer in the dialog with the default name Layer Group. Now, you should change this to something that makes sense for your project. For example, in our previous example project, I had six images representing Office software, and making them a group with a name like Office Software Images would make sense. Uh, to do this, right-click on the group layer and go to Edit Layer Attributes in the pop-up. Now, I can do the same thing with my text layers and create a text group. Now, once your group is created, you can just drag layers into it. When you do this, the layers inside the group are now indented, and an arrowhead is added to the group layer that can expand or hide the layers. Now, you can hide individual layers 
by clicking the arrowhead to close the mop. And then you'll only see the layer group itself and not all of the components. But then if you need to get to individual layers inside it, just click the, the, the drop down and open it up again. Now if you had carefully arranged a bunch of images in a collage, for instance, creating a layer group with the images in the order you want them in the stack now lets you move the whole group around without disturbing your arrangement. And if you look closely, it is a little hard to see, the thumbnail image of the layer group will now display the resulting image from all of your layers as you have arranged them. Now, I did an example on my website of this, and, you know, there's links in the show notes, and, folks, you should always check my show notes for all of these episodes. Um, and now I, I blew up the image to make it uh, hopefully a little bit easier to see that the, the layer group thumbnail is now the composite result of everything that's in the layer group. Now, the other thing you can do to make it easier to see your layer thumbnail um, is to click on the arrowhead on the top right of the layers dialog called Configure This Tab, and in the pop-up this opens, go to the Preview Size and select a larger size. This will require that the entire layer size in the layer dialog also gets larger, and if you have a lot of layers, that can mean not seeing everything at once. So there's a trade-off, but you do have options here. Note that you add layers to a group at any time, remove layers at any time, just by dragging them. It's all drag and drop. Now, as an example of what you can do with layers in a layer group, I selected my text group then turned off the visibility for my images group and then used the perspective transform tool on the text group itself, not on the individual layers. And I got a nice effect from doing that. Um, and that just illustrates one of the many conveniences of using layer groups. Of course, you can move groups around as a unit, rescale them, and so on. Now, the other way to operate on multiple layers at once is something called layer linking. And I think of this as something less permanent in how I use it. I can link any two layers at any time. And the way to do this is to just click to the right of the eye icon on the layers you want to link, and you'll see the image of a chain link. Any layers you do this to are linked for the moment, but you can unlink them at any time by clicking the chain link icon to make it go away. You can then use transform tools, for instance, on the linked layers. What will happen is that you will see the transform happen on the selected layer as you work, and when you then commit the change, you will see the linked layers respond as well. So I did an example using that header image that we created, um, and starting with the image as it was before doing any transform, um, I then click the image of the woman doing the presentation and the office word cloud and link them. And then because I linked them, I could then rescale them and they would both rescale equivalently. Now you can see the handles for the rescaling when I'm working on it because I haven't committed it yet. When I do commit it by pressing the scale button on the scale dialog, both images are now changed. 
okay, this worked fine as it is, but what if you want to see your changes on all of the images before you commit so that you can fine-tune everything? A good way to do that is to use an option in the layer menu called New from Visible. To use this trick, first turn off visibility for all of the layers other than the linked layers. Note, if you're working on layers linked in a group, you also need to turn on visibility for the group, but all non-linked layers in the group will need visibility turned off for this to work. Then go to the layer menu and select New from Visible. This will create a new layer called Visible. Then when you apply your transform, you can see how it affects all of the linked layers before you commit. And I have examples of this on my web page. Now you can see in this image the handles of the rescale tool showing that we have not yet committed the rescaling, but we see both layers resized together. Once we're happy with the result, press the scale button to commit the changes then delete the visible layer, which you no longer need. Now, I keep talking about committing. Um, this, this is a, a impermanent form of commitment in the sense that if you've done what I've suggested and have increased the number of undo levels in GIMP, you can just press Control-Z a few times and get, uh, you know, remove all of the things that you've done. Or maybe you were really careful and created a duplicate layer group and worked on that so you still have the original um, and can go back to that at any point. Now, opacity. Uh, so far we've, created, we've treated all of our layers as being either completely over or completely under other layers and thus the images are covered by anything in a higher layer. But this does not need to be the case. <coughs> to illustrate what I mean, I'm going back to our old friend, the Wikipedia Public Domain Image Resources page, to find some images. I'm looking for photos this time. So I went to a site called Imageric, and I found a few. One is uh, a family photo of four women, um, and another is a photo of uh, a rose picture um, and I check for the license. <clears throat> Everything on this site says it is licensed as CC0. That's Creative Commons equivalent of public domain. So that's a good one to use. Now I opened up both of these images in GIMP using the Open as Layers option in the File menu. This gives me two layers. I put the layer with the four women on top and then reduce the opacity to 70%. This gave me an image where I could see the roses coming through the image of the women. Now, another thing you could do with this is use a pattern or a color layer. Uh, for example, I did an image of the women with a 50% opacity yellow-green color layer. <clears throat> and then I did another one with a 50% opacity using a paper pattern. Uh, on a layer. So you can see there's lots of possibilities from manipulating the opacity of layers. Uh, there's still more to discuss on layers, um, so we're going to go on with this. And we haven't even gotten to modes, and we won't for a while because there's so much good stuff to do here. So this is a hookah for Hacker Public Radio.
signing off and is always encouraging you to support free software. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.